Hi, this is Star Wars author Delilah S. Dawson, and you're listening to Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Past the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak may not make you intelligent, but we're gonna try. And if <laughs> if there are any two people who can prove that point, I think we are right here. Um, you may notice I am not Brandon. Um, I am Lindsay, and I'm here with Brandon's favorite co-host, who he normally gives some kind of rocking intro for. Um, but I am not. But <laughs> but Drew. <laughs> You, Drew, I hope you know I love you and I appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I'm so proud of you. You got it in one. You know, you did it. And we're, we're all so very proud. Yeah, we, def- we definitely didn't need five minutes and a couple practice <laughs> tries to remember the intro for the right show. Do you realize we've been doing this show since for like four years now total, I think? And I still struggle. <laughs> That's all right. I've never listened to a single episode, so that's, right. <laughs> that's not true. I listen to the ones I'm not on. I listen to the ones I'm not on because I hate my voice. Yep. Oh, I'm so happy it's not, not just that me. I hate your voice, but <laughs> good save, good no, save. That's not it. Also, I was there. I know what we said. I know what we all think. I don't need. <laughs> I don't need to get angry all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could put those emotions back in a box and put that box on the shelf. <laughs> Oh, we sure can. What a shelf oh, it would boy. be. All right. Well, Drew, let us know in, in this these. Is be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you dressed us with us. Oh man. But hey, in these these trying times of not too much <laughs> new stuff just yet, um, but going into the season of new things, what have you been Star Warsing lately? Uh well I'll tell you, I've got two books on my nightstand that I've been and working through slowly. Um I finally got my hands on a copy of the Life Day Holiday <gasps> Chronicles, whatever it is. Dude, why is that so hard to find? I don't know. Um, it took a month for it to matriculate through the system at the library. I put it, a reserve on it the day it was supposed to arrive in the building, and it was a solid month. It was just listed as in processing. Mm. So I don't know if it's like a shipping issue, like everything else has been. Oh, that might be. I really don't know what the reason for that is and i've been enjoying it slowly i've only read just a couple of the stories that uh, in it because it's all broken up into a couple different tales i think it's five or six different uh tales and it's it's fun so far um the first one features um our main man Stellan geos of the higher public fame so that was kind of fun yeah i was really kind of surprised but i mean he's plastered across the cover of the book so but you know what it's and this is, I guess, going to be a bit of a spoiler for the rest of the show. Um, but I am almost not even surprised by that anymore just because of how heavily they are leaning into mm-hmm. the High Republic and getting the announcement that we got, you know, last night as of recording this. They're they're really going all in and it seems like it's pretty and maybe this is why I'm excited for the book of Boba Fett too. It's been pretty much all High Republic all the time. Oh, interesting. Do you think you, you're suffering from a little bit of High Republic fatigue at this point already? No, no, no. You know, good good question. It's not so much fatigue. 
it's more, I wasn't necessarily done with some of the other stuff, you know? So I'm kind of excited to hop back into the, the original timeline and go back to some of these stories, like even the Mandalorian, which I know we're not getting anytime really soon. Um, but to, to go back to that time frame to some of these stories, um, I thought that when we were kind of in the high Republic, um, we would be getting still, still the stories in, in books and maybe even in animated series that we were getting used to. Um, so right. I'm, I'm just kind of excited to go back to where we, we, we last left off for some stuff. Oh, interesting. Okay. So if we think about it, like what are the eras that they're really pushing with current releasing stuff? So there's the high Republic we know about, um, We've got kind of post-original trilogy stuff with Boba Fett and Mando, Ahsoka, and whatnot. Where are the comics at these days? It's a lot of uh, the High Republic still. And as always, because we can never seem to get enough of this, Darth Vader in comic books. I don't know. Another Vader series? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's, It's never ending. And actually, I have, I have to be honest, I finally found my breaking point where I was like, you know what, I don't need to read every single comic series all the time. Wow. It's it's still more bounty hunter stuff. And the bounty hunter stuff, I'm just kind of like, not really my thing, nothing really crazy original or groundbreaking, but that's, mm. it's, we haven't really gotten anything terribly new and exciting from the comic books in a little bit, in my opinion. Interesting. Okay. Well, that gives me some some notes here because I was, I, I saw the the latest issue of one of the comic series and I couldn't tell you the name of it. Was supposedly dropped Prince Shizor's name in Black Sun mm-hmm. uh, within the past week or so. But honestly, at this point, I, I couldn't even tell you where that is or what when it takes place or who says it or who's involved because all of that, the whole War of the Bounty Hunters thing, kind of breezed right past me um it was not a thing i I was able to latch on and follow at all i I mean like we've said before the comics are not my forte Uh, i i can't do it i'm not built that way yeah (laughs) there are people who are and maybe we should find somebody who is like you know elbow deep in those things they can help walk us through uh the landscape because i really have no idea what's going on with that stuff anymore yeah yeah it it is a lot. I kind of like those smaller week by week releases. I find though, um, just cause it's, yeah. it's exciting and it's not daunting. If something comes up where like I, I miss a week or it takes me a couple of days to get to read the new issue of a comic book. So that's why, you know, like ideally, yeah, it's, it's Wednesday morning. I'm up, I'm reading them, but if I don't have time and I don't get, get to it until Thursday or Friday, one, Holy it's, hell, oh it's yeah. hours <laughs> the, the worst, but it's, it's not like, oh my God, I, I can't go online. Like I can't risk going on the internet right. and having spoilers or it's not the situation where, uh, I think you and I both kind of got into a bad batch where I just, I, I couldn't, you know, and, and luckily yeah. I was on, I was on a family vacation. So I had the kind of a good reason to miss one week. But once I missed one week and I was like, yeah. I, I'm okay. And then I missed like three or four weeks. And it was like the daunting, <laughs> the daunting, daunting task of like, oh crap. Now I have to watch two hours of this show that I don't really like just to catch up. <laughs> I was like, really, 
really not what I what I had wanted to do this weekend. I absolutely can sympathize with that situation. That's precisely where I found myself at the end of Bad Batch as well. So yeah. I, I've been trying, like, I'll buy the, the trade paperback for the higher public comics, not the adventures or anything, but like the mainline series. But it's still perpetually like three months behind or, or even longer, really. Because I think they're on issue like 13 in, mm. in regular production, but I only know what happens in one through six because mm-hmm. that was what they collected in the first edition. And I got to wait until like, I think it's May before the next one drops where it's like seven to 12 or something. So I'm just going to be perpetually behind, which is a little yeah. sad because the comics is where St. Evar Chris lives. And that's yeah. kind of bugging what you need. Yeah, I know. I look, well, at, you know, like, it'll, it'll be worth really the wait bad. though. I looked at the uh, variant covers, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this artwork's really good." And like, I think issue four. Where's my phone? I have it saved in my eBay uh, alert system. <laughs> it's like I don't know that I can really justify spending seventy five dollars on a, a, a simply a, a comic image thing anymore. It's like, Wah. especially when we live in today's kind of technology driven society where it's like man if i really like that artwork cover i can just download it that's, <laughs> like, I don't... that's the thing it's like yeah do I need to have a physical copy of this piece of artwork like it's cool don't yeah but like i'd rather kind of make it my phone background if i'm that into it <laughs> for free i don't know it would be like it is oh, this one's only 35 it's really cool like there's a there's i'll just tell you what i'm looking at issue four um has there's there's somebody selling uh, two issues and the first one is just the traditional variant cover with the logo and everything but the the other one that comes with it is logo free so it's just basically like an eight by 11 image you know piece of artwork and it's pretty dang cool so Hmm. we'll have to see what happens for christmas and uh if i have any money to spare after that yeah time will tell i'll keep my fingers crossed for you i'm kind of excited about it but it's one of those things like it's going to come in the mail my wife is going to be like Just make sure you get the mail that day. Well, that is why I do work from home all the time. Oh, that's why. (laughs) I knew there was a reason. I'll tell you, it's 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 a larger portion portion of the reasoning than I imagined it would be. To run interference. So anyway, all of that. Um, the other thing I'm reading is you guys kind of inspired me with all of your disapproval of the the latest Thrawn series. I went back and I've reopened my copy of Heir to the Empire. <laughs> nice. Just to, okay. I, 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 there's an interesting person I follow online, Chrysanthi Tan of um, Star Wars Music Minute, um, which if you guys haven't seen on YouTube, you totally should. She breaks down um, the music of these movies like five minutes at a time. So she'll, because they, they are a professional recording artist um, and their stuff's awesome. So, they have this ability to go look at the music from this professional level and they have guests to come on and they bring their instruments and everything. So it's very, very interesting deep dive into the movies in small little chunks. So highly recommend it. Um, on their Twitter, um, they keep track of each book that they read in the star Wars universe and kind of give it like a generic ranking. And they were finding Mm -hmm. some interesting things in the Thrawn books that I didn't hear anybody else talking about how, how Thrawn might exist on the spectrum a little bit. And that might lead to why Thrawn behaves the way he does and the way he interacts with people. And so they were finding some similarities with that. And I thought that was an interesting thing, but then they went back and read heir to the empire and saw none of it. 
So, Ooh, okay. I was like, well, now I don't remember enough of Heir to the Empire to know how to speak right. intelligently on the evolution of the character over the past 30 years. <laughs> yeah, wow. It has been that long, hasn't it? Yeah, 91. Yeah, so, 91. I mean, long time. Things, so I'm a quarter of the way through Heir to the Empire. I'm kind of reading it slowly. And one of the things that stood out is the characters are not the way I remember them very much, and they're not the way that they are perceived at large. Here's what I mean. Luke is not an all-powerful hero. He is very nervous. He is very concerned about training Leia, and he's very afraid that he will make the same mistakes that Obi-Wan made that led to the fall of Anakin. So keeping in mind when it came out in 91, we didn't have the prequels at that point. All we knew is that Obi-Wan had said, I thought I could train him as well as Yoda. I was wrong. And that mentality is all Luke can think about. And so there are direct parallels between that characterization and the Last Jedi version of Luke that I found very interesting about how he'd almost rather not train anybody in order to prevent the fall to the dark side instead of risking it and having somebody as powerful as him fall to evil. So it's very interesting how he's not the muscle-bound, you know, hack-and-slash kind of guy that certain corners of the internet might want him to be. Right, right. So. And, you know, I'd actually be interested now in even going back and rereading it myself because I, you know, just because of the age, you know, I was one year old when it originally came out. Of course, oh I was gosh, not reading this. Until, <laughs> that's, um, of course, I wasn't reading it until after the prequels came out. Yeah, I would actually be really, really interested to go back and reread it. Um I actually did my last reread, I think, right before Last Jedi came out, to be honest. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so I would be amazed at going back and rereading it now, knowing what we know, but also challenging myself to do it with the mindset of pretend that I'm doing it without that information. That is really what I'm, I'm trying to get yeah. out of it and trying to – and that is – it's a little bit harder than I thought it would be, but I'm really enjoying it So because I have those the new versions reprinted that have the new artwork under the essential legends banner. Um, I figured, I mean, I've got them. I might as well read through them and see what they're like anymore. Um, and so I've, I've been, it's been really interesting to go back and revisit that. And they, all the characters like Borsk Fayella, which I haven't thought about in 15, 20 years, which has been really fun. So I, I, I'm hopeful that we can kind of, I'll keep track of it and see if I can come up with anything else insightful as time goes on, but we shall have to see about that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Keep yeah. us posted. What have you been up to in your Star Wars journey these days? You know, so December is always kind of the the fun time for me where going into new things, um, normally that's when I go totally gung-ho on like catching up on all the spoilers and, and making sure I, I watch every single oh, trailer breakdown for things. Well, I'm trying not to do that for Book of Boba Fett because okay. even though I am famously not like the biggest Boba Fett fan... I never really got into that cult following. I'm really, really excited for this show because with the exception of Star Wars, having grown up in the Italian-American family in New York, um, this is kind of my, my second favorite genre of movies. You know, I grew up, um, my parents never showed us Star Wars growing up. You know, they never even really showed us Indiana Jones. Instead, the, the big thing to do 
with my parents growing up was we would watch The Godfather. We would oh watch gosh, Goodfellas. Really? Yeah. Swear, I swear to God, as kids, we would just like watch Godfather with oh my, my parents. Goodness. So we, yeah. So, so we really loved that genre of movies and that has still stuck with me. Like when I need, when I need help, like falling asleep and I need some kind of comfort food really often I'll put on like Bronx tale, good Sopranos. I mean, my twin sister puts on silence of the lamb. So I think this is still, a <laughs> but, but I'm trying to just because I have the excitement of finally working that genre into star Wars but I don't have the excitement of, oh my God, it's Boba Fett. I'm so excited for Boba Fett. Um, I'm trying to do what Brandon does with the movies and not necessarily go in trying to know everything. I want to be really, really open-minded with this. I want to be surprised by this. So I've been watching the trailers once, maybe twice, and watching the TV spots when they come out. Um, but I've been avoiding any kind of like big um, trailer breakdowns or even doing what I would typically do for a new movie trailer, um, which I have every intention of doing with the Eclipse trailer, at least, um, <laughs> just going in and looking at it shot by shot, seeing what kind of nuggets I can find. Um, oh so, so trying to be really open-minded and instead using the time, um, I say it here all the time, but I've got my, my little nephews who are pretty much at the, you know, they're five and seven now. Um, so being that they're at the perfect age, trying to, you know, focus on like the, the Star Wars Lego stuff with them um, and the different oh, holidays. Cool. So yeah, yeah. So just nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but just making sure we're kind of up to date on that instead of the, the typical breakdown and um, all the different videos and stuff like that. Huh? Interesting. Okay. So you've seen kind of like the the official information that's all been released then at this point? I think I have. But again, okay. not trying to be terribly like I need to be the first person to know everything. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, it's like what? Two weeks away or something? I know. I know. It's 29th. December 29th. Yeah. Oh, so just about gosh. two, maybe two and a half weeks. To, yeah, ish, oh. something like that. But it's it's just I go in with my preconceived notions, and I've always luckily been pleasantly surprised where if what I think doesn't happen doesn't happen, or what I think is going to happen doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I'm still okay with it. You know, I'm not one of those people who I'm going to hate everything because it's not exactly what I thought. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. But I feel like <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, just just going back to like when we all first met Baby Yoda, and none of us knew what was about to happen or oh what was going to come. Like that was such a good feeling. So if I could replicate that feeling, not because I'm crazy excited about necessarily any one specific character coming up, but just the entire genre that we're about to work in, mm-hmm. I I would imagine. Uh, you know what? This is how I would, I would compare it. This, I think, is going to be my visions. Um, whereas everyone who is really oh, into wow. anime, yeah, I think everyone who is really into anime and really excited about visions because they were finally getting in anime Star Wars, that's how I hope to feel about Book of Boba Fett. Ooh, okay. Uh, I, I hope so. I hope. Th- I hope. Yeah. I hope it's good, man. I, I'm kind of with you on the expectations game of like excitement level. Like it's, yeah. it's definitely a thrilling thing, but. I'm kind of with you also like the 
let's just see what they show us. And I, I'm trying not to set any expectations of stories or action pieces or anything like that. It's like just you guys do what you're going to do because it's mm-hmm. all the same team has been running the Mandalorian. For the Ex- yeah, yeah, so exactly. No to, I don't to doubt I, them. I, yeah, exactly. I don't see any reason to try and get ahead of them. It's like you know they take their their good old sweet time. They set all kinds of things up and it won't pay off for years because that's that's how Dave Filoni's brain works. So that's okay as long as we go in, I think, with the right mindset to say, all right, just let's see what you got instead of, oh, this is where the you know clone rebellion or stormtrooper rebellion is going to occur. It's like, okay, slow down. Guys. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm super excited. But having said that, I do hope we see like IG-88 and all the other. <laughs> <laughs> that really now that, now that I've made that point, let me dispute yes. it. <laughs> I know I just said all that things. Let me counter my own argument and destroy it entirely. <laughs> I want to see Zuckus and Forlom show up. That would be so much fun. <laughs> well, say I, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. But again, I, I, not hoping for anything. I would be very pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. if, if they brought in the Empire Strikes Back bounty hunter crews, but uh, I would take it. I wouldn't say anything. I would expect it more. You know what, though? I mean, think about the first season of Mando. They were able to, you know, have him break onto that, like, prisoner ship and... And have this crazy, like, one, you know, at at least at the time, one episode of all these really cool characters. Like, there's there's ways that they can incorporate these characters for one episode, if not a cameo appearance, that would still make sense to the story. I say that not even knowing the story. (laughs) To the best of my knowledge, like, there's not a whole lot of detail out there in official channels of, like, plot points of here's what the main focus of the story is going to be, which is good because I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it makes any sense to really kind of dig into those things and, and set expectations so wildly disproportionate to the inf- amount yeah. of information that we have. Um, that's yeah. what killed a lot of people's experience with some of the movies and things. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think that. just the consistency, like you said, it's um, John Favreau is still the showrunner. It's, it's that whole yeah. same team. I think it's going to – I think that's part of the reason because they've already proven themselves so people can rest easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly think that with the more, um, for lack of a better term, casual fans, it might even be a little bit confusing just because I, I don't think a lot of them are really going to be able to differentiate between these two shows I think it's going to be, you know, the. I think this is going to be more the Mandalorian, and the other one's still going to be the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> well, that's a really good question about what happens in season three because when last we left our heroes, it yeah. was, you know, Luke was taking Grogu both off to his little Jedi daycare center, and that, the door shut, and that was it. So. Uh, I don't know. Do we think that we're going to see more of Baby Yoda, or is that kind of come and gone? Like, I think we, we will save that. Like, I don't necessarily if- think it's going to be. He's going to be the star of every single episode, and they're going to find those cute, in my mind, over the top baby moments. Um, you be careful now. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. I digress. But we'll see. But look, we talked about this a little bit, um, and I, I want to definitely. Make sure we uh, we discuss this. There was a trailer that I had said dropped at the time of this recording, just 24 hours ago. Um, and that one I absolutely do intend to go through kind of frame by frame. Um, 
I, I don't think we necessarily need to talk crazy in depth about the trailer. Um, for anyone who does want to talk crazy in depth about the trailer, check out the next episode of Sith Talk, um, where we'll definitely be breaking that down and, and talking about the plot a little bit more. Um, but hey, look, Star Wars Eclipse, what was your, your initial reaction? Oh, man. Um, I know you guys, like, I, I was watching the group text while I was, I was in a meeting while it, it evidently it dropped, so I wasn't able to watch it when you guys all saw it. Um, I know m- most of our Clashing Sabers family was pretty exuberant, which is <laughs> great. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know why I naturally become the oppositionist in a group, but I am just, it's just trepidant <laughs> from head to toe. I just was watching, I watched the trailer like late last night and I was like, I want this to be good, but I am not excited about this yet. And I don't know what it is I'm waiting for. I don't know if it's the trouble with the studio or Mm. there's no information in the trailer about what happens in the game or how the game is played. I I also know that I'm not going to play it. Just from like a sheer reality standpoint, I have. Yeah, it's going to be time consuming. It's going to be if this really is. So here's what it seems like it's going to be. It seems like it's going to be a Mass Effect style, you know, uh, action RPG. So if we think about the highlight action RPGs of, of recent years, Final Fantasy VII Remake comes to mind is a 40 to 60 hour game. Now, I have a copy of it because my brother was so kind enough to send me his extra PlayStation 4. Cannot believe I have that say that sentence out loud. <laughs> um, I've put all of 20 minutes into the game. Um, that's mm. all I've been able to find time. And, and it's one of my favorite video game series of all times. Um, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to sit down and play uh, Star Wars Eclipse, no matter how much I want to. It's just going to be a time yeah. management thing and, and, and long-form storytelling video games, 40-hour campaigns like this, is not something I have the luxury of anymore. So I hope everybody who does get to do it is going to be super excited. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know what? That I think is a really nice segue into our nice little discussion. Um, so let's kind of pause, take a little break, and then we can uh, get into the thick mm-hmm. of in mine and yours experience, kind of what does make a good Star Wars video game? Um, and what have we learned from maybe other video games that we hope this one is going to avoid? Um, but first, quick little break, and then we'll, we'll hop back into it. Hello there. I'm here to talk about our most important mission, which is our literacy nonprofit that puts Star Wars books in the classrooms across the country. If you're listening to this, it's likely that at least one Star Wars book had an impact on you as a kid, as is true for all of us on the network. We want to pass that forward to the next generation so that the lessons of Star Wars can continue to shape students as it did for all of us. But, just like Star Wars teaches us, we cannot do it alone. It takes a community, and that is where you all come in. Right now, we're hosting our annual holiday fundraiser to put Star Wars books into those classrooms. As an educator myself, I can tell you that this is far harder than it seems. Schools and teachers have been struggling for years to afford purchasing high-interest reading books, the impact of which cannot be overstated. Without those books, students are less inclined to read. However, and I can attest to this fact personally, when a box comes with Star Wars books, everyone wants to read. So how can you help? 
we'll head over to go.rallyup.com slash revenge of the reader and purchase some tickets for our fundraiser giveaway. With said tickets, you not only buy books for students, you also get the chance to win some really amazing prizes. We've got Light of the Jedi and Rise of Kylo Ren, signed by Charles Sewell himself, Leia Collectibles, signed by Claudia Gray, art prints from the fantastic Roberto Venegas, and a ton of other signed books and collectibles. The more tickets you purchase, the better your chance to win. 100% of your donations is completely tax deductible. Also, 100% of your donations goes to purchasing and shipping books to students, teachers, and classrooms. And if you know a teacher who you would like to nominate to receive said books, you can do so over on our website, clashingsabers.net. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and thank you in advance for your donations. May the force be with you. And we are back, uh, right where we <laughs> so conveniently left off. Um, we we want to chat a little bit about kind of not necessarily the best and, and butts of video games, um, because admittedly, Drew, when you and I were talking about this before, um, I don't think you and I really have enough kind of gaming experience and have played every single game that has come out. I think actually between right. the two of us, we probably have. Um, for for honestly, I think the biggest thing is we play on different gaming systems. Um, so while you you and Adriana, I remember when the Podracer game was coming out, you guys were pretty jazzed about that. Um, I never I never really had Nintendo. I personally grew up on um, Xbox. So a lot of the video games I played growing up were like Jedi Starfighter, um, obviously Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the original Battlefront. But I never really had like the, the pod racing games. Um, and then, of course, even with the new canon, still really just playing on Xbox. Uh, let's see, I've played, I think, every game that has come out since Disney um, took over. But only because now it's it's pretty common to just have games between the two main gaming systems and PC. Um, and then I've also been lucky enough to play Vader Immortal, um, if you can even really call it playing that if not a walkthrough um but, but we'll we'll dive into that later but what were kind of your your game highlights because i know we can't really do best and butts because we don't sure. we're not coming into it from the same same level um but what games did you kind of play hmm uh well probably the most i played was in that n64 playstation 2 era so like you said pod racer um shadows of the empire was one I, I know I've played hundreds of hours on back in the day. Uh, I I've had the Starfighter Jedi, Jedi Starfighter and just regular Star Wars Starfighter, which I think had the Naboo Starfighter on the cover of it. I want to remember correct. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of Rogue Squadron back uh-huh. in the day. Big fan. Oh, you that. did play that? Yeah, oh you do gosh, always talk about that. So good. It's just one of the best. I, I, I wonder if it, it holds up because the, that N64 controller, I, I, spoiler alert, one of the things we should have learned is that the N64 controller is awful. <laughs> it's just the worst and does not translate well to modern gaming at all. But that's okay. So I did, a, I think that's probably like, you know, like you had said, the original Battlefront is what I played a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, and Battlefront 2. And even the PSP. Um, Geez, what was it called? Renegade Squadron, I think? Um, oh, I don't know. I never yeah. had it. It was very... Uh, you could tell it was st- specifically done for the handheld games. Okay. Um, I feel like it was like... They had like a Jedi clone, and his name was X1. I don't know. It was very, very dumb. 
Okay. Anyway, oh, wow. I don't know why I just, I didn't even think of this. I, I also would always do Force Unleashed. Those were my other two. We're going to talk about Force yeah. Unleashed a bit. I mean, we, we have to. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. But I think um, that kind of era the, from N64 to PlayStation 3 is where I have most of my gaming experience. Like, like I said before, we took the break. I just got the four PlayStation 4 in hand, and it has a copy of Jedi Order, Jedi Fallen Order, rather. And I remember having started watching a playthrough of Fallen Order on online. I think it was on uh, a YouTube channel that streams, and I would just watch like the first like two, three hours of that game, which was a lot of fun. Um, what else did we do? A lot of like the flight sim games, like X-Wing mm. and TIE Fighter and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter back on like the PC in the mid-90s. That was kind of where we lived for a while, too. They were easy games to yeah. copy. So when you would get five, six, seven people over at somebody's house and everybody mm. brought their computer for a LAN party, you only <laughs> needed one copy of the game. Everybody could install it on their machine and you could just play for literally hours on end chasing each other around space, which was bizarre, but a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it's so. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, I really like those kind of starfighter chasing through space games at the time for for different reasons, albeit um, not because it was easy, <laughs> but just because I at the time really liked that aspect. I really liked sitting and yeah. just kind of either flying things or shooting things, and that be the game. Uh, but. I was so thrown off last year uh, when Squadrons came out because I thought that was going to be pretty much like the new revamped Jedi. I mean, I loved Jedi Starfighter, and I thought it was going to be like that. And I was shocked just by, one, I thought it was incredibly difficult. Even when I I play now in Battlefront 2, in the new one, Whenever I have to get behind the wheel of a ship, I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is, Im- <laughs> this is impossible. This is so hard. So I was so mm. thrown off because of the difficulty of squadrons. But also what I, what I realized was, to me, the, the story wasn't there. Um, and and <sighs> I've realized, in my opinion, yeah. And I have realized that I am just way more story-driven in video games than I ever was before. I really need a strong character line, even just just something to really relate to and follow through um, to really enjoy it. I think that's why I love Fallen Order so much. I really connected with Cal. I love that character. I love the way he interacts with other with other characters. I thought that was a great story. Squadrons one didn't have that story. But two, I realized that I no longer really enjoy games where it's just like, you're going to just do this one thing over and over and over. Oh, no. I kind of, I like Battlefront 2, how it has the chapters where sometimes, yeah, you're going to be just shooting things. Other times you're going to be flying things. Other times it's going to be kind of like a, a puzzle. You know, like there's, there's one chapter where you're on Naboo and you're working with Princess Leia and it's like a puzzle almost. Um, so I really like games that, kind of mix it up which is also part of the reason i think i i love 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 fallen order because you go through all of that there's you know the you're you could be um fighting fighting the witches on dathomir and you can have that hand-to-hand combat or you can go through and have those puzzles and, and walk through those kind of games so i find that to me 
I really like games that mix it up. And that's what I'm hoping we get with Eclipse instead of just, hey, you're going to be doing this one thing for 40 hours straight. Oh, man, that's interesting to hear because Squadrons is high on my list of things I want to try because I've never gotten to play it yet. And it seemed like your it seemed like it kind of came and went without a ton of splash. And I wonder if most people felt the same way as you did. You know what I think it was, though? It was the only thing really released during COVID. And I hate to say it, but it didn't oh, have a celebrate. It didn't have celebration to really amp it up. And there was so much else going on in the world where I don't think people really gave it the not the attention once it was released, but the attention leading up to it before it was released. So I think that played a factor. Binge watching watching Tiger King in order. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly right. So I think I think that's part of it. But then also, just in my uh, my opinion, and again, like in theory, it should have been my game, right? Like I because I loved those those starfighter games growing up and because i love harris and doula and she was in the stuff <laughs> leading up to, in the stuff leading up to it a very prominent feature yeah. um, of the game and and for me it was kind of just the story wasn't there the gameplay was kind of aggravating it was a little repetitive in my opinion but i know the people who like it really like it i don't think it necessarily ever got to the following of Force Unleashed or that Fallen Order is going to have. Um, but but I think the people who enjoyed it just enjoyed it for what it was. Man, I, I'm, I'm kind of sub- I'm, I'm a little bit deflated on it be- now because like as high as I was on like the Alphabet Squadron books, it put me back into that world of like, let's mm-hmm. go sit in the cockpit and go blow some star some TIE fighters up. And that's kind of what I wanted out of squadrons. And so maybe if it's like, if it continues to deliver on that particular aspect, it'll be fine for me because that's kind of what I've been itching for, for a while. It's like just to sit there and, and blow some stuff up. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a ton of fun to me. Yeah. And you know, cause when I, when I, cause I do still get the urge when I'm like, I do just want to sit there and blow stuff up. That's when I'll even still just hop into like a, a little capture the flag type game on battlefront two. I'm like, yeah, I, I have 15 minutes. I can play this, you know, 16 versus 16 person gameplay and, and shoot some stuff. And then I'm done. Whereas this was in theory, blow stuff up. But for me, it was just so aggravating. Um, but long story short, I'm just hoping that from having played that and ideally Lucasfilm having put that game out, they are not going to make eclipse something like that where it's just you're doing the same thing over and over and over and it's playing hard into the subset of people who really like doing whatever that one thing is. I hope mm. it is a little bit of everything. I hope it is that role play game, but we still get that hand to hand combat. We still get the decision making aspects. Um so so I just hope it's it's a little bit of a variety. Do did you ever get into the Knights of the Old Republic? Yes. Uh, series of games. Yes. Okay. So that's actually kind of what I wanted to talk to you about too, because that was <laughs> one of my earlier introductions into not just Star Wars video games, but Star Wars in general. Um, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if it necessarily had any hype leading up to it, or it kind of just came out of nowhere. Hmm. When did the first one come out? It was 127 years ago, I think. Give or take. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic original. Because what I'm what I'm kind of afraid of is 2003. People are going to see a, the Eclipse trailer 
And I think even though it's only been 24 hours, I think they're already doing this where they're talking about this in terms of it's going to be the next, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. And it's going to be the next big thing. And this is, this is going to be comparable. This is going to be that, that cult following. But if you try and force that, I don't know if it's necessarily really ever going to happen. Well, I think it's playing into the similar aspects where when Knights of the Old Republic came out, um, if the internet is to be believed in July of 2003 was kind of, Oh boy, early 2000s video games were, this was probably the most technically advanced role-playing game of its kind at the time, especially in the West. Um, you know, East, you know, Japanese developers have been releasing role-playing games since the eighties and they've continually gotten better, you know, with the final fantasy series being kind of the flagship series of that. But this, when Knights of the Old Republic was much more um, Dungeons and Dragons style RPGs than Final Fantasy or the Mana series or Chrono Trigger and whatnot. You know, the glory days of the Super Nintendo had a lot of those kind of things, but this was more Legend of Zelda than it was, you know, Final Fantasy. And I think this was one of the first times a lot of the Western audience who didn't play those kind of games already had a chance to jump in. I think it was originally released on the Xbox which was odd because as a Microsoft product, it it really, the only people, not the only people, that's not the right way to say it, but the Xbox was famous for two things, Halo and Madden. And so that crowd had not, didn't really have the exposure that the PlayStation crowd had, or even the Nintendo crowd had at the time. So this was a big, um, a big rock in the, in the pool and made a lot of large ripples when it hit. It's really good game. It's super uh, tight. The story is smooth and and grips you and holds you for the entire length of the game. It really plays with you your expectations of of what you think is going to happen to these characters, um, and you have a lot of freedom. You have a lot of opportunity to really make things the way you want to make things, and you can design your character to be the way you want your character to be designed. And that was a pretty novel concept back in the day. Now it's a little bit different because you can design characters in games from head to toe you can change their hair color and designs you can give them tattoos you can make them two feet tall or 12 feet tall so that freedom isn't really there anymore so i think if we look at again similar titles like the mass effect series or bioshock um, is probably going to be really similar stuff if people have liked those titles that's more like what eclipse looks like to be um for for better or for worse i think it's going to be heavily story based which is good you know we need that i think one of the lessons i would would take from the past video game history is that you can't really just skip over the campaign and and rely on good action or good multiplayer to get you through the battlefront games taught us that you have to have a way to hold people's attention and tell a good story. And I think Fallen Order proved how to do it well, whereas Battlefront didn't always do it well. The first Battlefront didn't even have a campaign. But Battlefront 2 has one of the best from, from again, what I hear. I think. I think, so actually, oddly enough, I think Battlefront 2 absolutely does. I'm curious to know if people who did not read the book would agree. Like, if your introduction to Iden Versio is the video game campaign... I'm not positive it really grips you the way it does otherwise. And I I said this to our group last night too, but like 
I hope that Eclipse isn't an issue where you need to read these seven books and listen to this audio drama and read these comic books to uh, fully appreciate okay. it. I hope someone who just, hey, I want to play a cool video game. This one looks good. It just so happens to be Star Wars. I hope that they can mm-hmm. still be drawn in because I agree with you. To me, a good video game needs a good storyline. Yeah, and I think that's a, a pretty fair level set to have for an expectation for this to have is like when you dive into this world, it should be self-contained and I would expect it to be self-contained. It might be informed by other pieces, but I feel like more realistically, other things, other pieces of content, books and comics and whatever will be released around this that draw their inspiration from the game mm-hmm. rather than the game drawing. The other way around. Got it. Yeah, yeah, so, I hope. If you think about like the movies, the TV shows, and the video games are kind of like your tentpole entries into this history book of the Star Wars universe, and the books, the comics, uh, the trading card games, and and everything else basically flows from those other things. I think you know I'm trying to think of an example that would be kind of counter to that. And Ronin is the first thing that comes to mind, but even Ronin flows from Visions. So I mean, you're going to have all like. The Knights of the Old Republic. Here's how crazy the Old Republic series as a, as a whole was. There's a, a mass. You know what MMO is? Yeah. Okay. So the massively multiplayer online game, The Old Republic, was released with a trailer. The trailer was called Deceived because the main character, Darth Malgus, you know, assaults the Jedi Temple, you know, from five thousand years ago, destroys it, and his trademark line was that you know you have all all of yourselves been deceived. They released a book based on the trailer of the game. <laughs> like, it was mind-boggling that somebody, I think it was Drew Carpetian, wrote uh, 400 pages based on a four-and-a-half-minute trailer just leading up to that moment. It's just kind of like, okay, I think we've gone off the rails a smidge, guys. So these things, like, I would wholly expect... Eclipse to be this tentpole entry, and even if it's in the High Republic, like it could still be most people's entry into the High Republic mythology, and that would be an interesting way to get involved. Because imagine if you found this massive game that you love and you dedicate sixty hours of your life to it, and then you find out there's like uh, two, three years worth of stories about the same characters in the same setting that you can go enjoy next. That would be wild, and I think it would be great. I hope that's what happens. I am filled with trepidation about Eclipse, but that's, you know, for several well, reasons, I think. Okay, but are those reasons on a video game front or on a story front? Oh, man. Um, uh, multi-level, I think right now it's a lack of information, and right now the conversation around the game is the trouble that the studio has had in its the CEO has a history of saying mm-hmm. wildly inflammatory and outrageous yes. offensive remarks. Um and I'm not wild about that. And I think in this day and age we don't have to support things. We don't really like the people leading those kinds of projects where we have the but anyway, that's that, that's kind of clouding the conversation at the moment and rightfully so. But if we put that issue in one column, another column has to be that we just don't know how this game is going to work yet. And unfortunately, Star Wars in the past 10, 15 years has a bad habit of moving things around. And the video game industry is no 
is not immune from this problem of things just disappearing or changing from the first time you hear about it to the time it's eventually released. I mean, there's a reason Duke Nukem Forever took something like 15 years of development. Like, it went through so many different iterations. That's why there's no Half-Life 3. Uh, these things, these so, projects spin out of control very often. And unfortunately, it's killed a lot of good things in Star Wars history, too. Yeah, and in very recent history as well. Uh, yeah. But to that, po- oh, to that point, I mean, I think you and I especially pretty kind of good about knowing what is being worked on at any given moment. I personally had no idea this was coming. Did you? There was a rumor about a game like this being developed. I don't know if it was ever confirmed that Quantum Realms was the one doing it. Um, The most recent set of rumors that had been confirmed prior to the release was the Knights of the Old Republic remake that was officially right, right, and that was was that was official, and that was even really done through Star Wars. That was done through, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was at the PlayStation convention. Correct? You might. I think you're right about that. Jason Schreier is is a uh, journalist in the newspaper in the newspaper the video game industry. Um, and I think he was the first one to, to actually start confirming rumors. Yeah. About a couple months and even so, it's one thing to just say years. it's, it doesn't even sound so much like a, a remake, you know, like they're going to change anything. It's just, Hey, you're going to be able to play this updated on the new platforms. But yeah, if it's okay. a remake, like uh, if it's a remake where they, they rather than a remaster, if it's a remaster, it's kind of updated graphics and gameplay and control mm-hmm. and, you know, fit it for a modern audience. If it's a remake, that's they can change story indicative. elements. Well, not necessarily story. Well, story elements could be one mm-hmm. thing, but there could be like dramatic changes to the way the game yeah. just operates. Mm-hmm. Um, the way in which you play a game in 2003 ain't the way you play a game here in 2021. Um, yeah, they got so, your memo about the controller. And I'm really glad they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reason the reason I ask though is because I personally think that things like you mentioned, it's it's not just Star Wars, it's video games. And I think the same thing can be said for the movies, whereas yeah, we see this as fans as, oh my god, things are going terribly. They have to redo all these all these reshoots, they have to let go of certain directors, whereas I don't think that's necessarily a big issue in movies all where where we need to have all these fire drills all the time. I think that the issue is Lucasfilm announces too much information too early on. I think I think that, you know, we don't necessarily have to know every single time you're in talks with any single director or anytime someone thinks they're gonna start a new project. Like we're okay waiting until things are maybe a little bit further in development. And that's why I was kind of really optimistic about the fact that this seemed to have just come out of nowhere. You know, this, this did not wait for May for celebration. This did not, you know, need any kind of like investor meeting where they were going to talk about who signed on with this project. This was just, this was just, Hey, look, we've been, the, the way I interpret a trailer drop like this is, look, we've been working on this. We're really proud of this. We're really excited about this. Here's, here's a little snippet for you. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more optimistic about this project than I am necessarily the movie side of things, not because I think the movie side of things are, are wrong. I think we as fans just 
go overboard and we we assign we assign believe it or not we I think we assign significance to things that are not significant um but but for a trailer to just come out of nowhere like this like Mm-hmm. That was and the when I when I first watched the trailer last night, it took me a second to realize this was a video game. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> oh, you mean the uh, the Mune drum circle didn't clearly give away exactly <laughs> what they were trying to communicate or something like that? I don't understand. Yeah. What was your problem? It wasn't, wasn't now, exactly what, clear. How did you hear about the trailer? Like, what was because? Do you know where it was debuted? Like, do you know how it came about? Um, I simply got the note. I have, um, notifications for star Wars YouTube on my phone. Um, so I just got the notification that there was a new video and I looked and thank God I, I kind of did a double take because really often I'll get kind of like the typical, like fan made quote unquote trailers where it's a fake trailer oh, no. as like a recommended video. And I'll get those and like quickly just kind of clear that notification from my phone. And that's what I thought this was. Cause I was like trailer star Wars eclipse. This isn't anything. And then I looked and I was like, this does not say recommended. <laughs> this just says star Wars. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so at first I, I opened it up quickly thinking it was actually going to be like a book of Boba Fett because pretty much every single week we've gotten a new video, just like mm-hmm. a 30 seconds, you know, TV spot. I thought it was going to be that. And all of a sudden, that the drama starts. So I was like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually debuted during the video game of the year awards ceremony. Oh, that on that particular night. So it's kind of like the Oscars for video games. Okay. And so I, the reason I mentioned that is to circle back to a point you were making about how it wasn't announced during an investors' call or some kind of like. Uh, business setting environment and I think that's a key distinction about the way in which information is disseminated from Lucasfilm like the way in which we get the bulk of our information is not in the strongest terms of communication yeah Disney plus day is kind of like the biggest red flag I have seen in so long because you know National Geographic had more announcements for original content than the entire Star Wars universe did in that 24 hours Mm-hmm. that's wild to me, um, especially when they have so many th- projects that they've been working on and that we know about, and yet it's radio silence on so many things. I think your your initial assessment that Lucasfilm announces things way too early is also true. And the way and the venues in which they disseminate their information is not good for this, for the public. Like we don't handle it well. We're collectively really bad at it. Um, they trust us too much or they have no idea what's going on i don't know what the i don't know what the rationale or explanation for that is but like the video game announcement for eclipse was broadcast during a major video game focused event with the press knowing what they're looking at like i was able to watch um well, actually, I haven't seen it. MinMax might have it. There's a, a podcast I, I, I follow pretty pretty closely called MinMax, and they fo- they they're a video game podcast and one other uh, independent jur- independent games journalism. That's what they bury themselves as. Uh, strongly recommend them. Great guys and gals. Uh, but they are the people who were like, well, okay, this is what we heard about. 
and this is kind of like the rumors are confirmed. Uh, Here's all the information we know about at the time, and they can put the pieces of the story together. When when we hear, when we as Star Wars fans hear, Patty Jenkins has uh, scheduling conflicts for the foreseeable future, and therefore Rogue Squadron has been put on hold. It's in the context of something we don't know how to digest. Mm-hmm. And so when we that happens, we can only speculate based on the information we know, you know, the tools in our tool bag that we have. And our tools are terrible. <laughs> we suck at this. As a general population, we're bad at it. And we shouldn't be allowed to do this kind of thing. So because one week later, when there's an article on Hollywood Reporter that drops that says she's committed to Rogue Squad or not, Rogue, yeah, Rogue Squadron and Wonder Woman 3, Three. and she's yeah. dropping Cleopatra from her day-to-day business, she's backing off of that program, everybody goes, oh, this is what happened, but nobody takes the time to say, we were wrong, whatever. And then that's right. I, like, right. I get it. But like that's Also, let's talk about that, because if anything should have been dropped, it was Wonder oh. Woman 3, not Cleopatra. That's just me. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, Strong Cleopatra stand over another, here. Didn't realize that. Another podcast for another time. I don't even know what like what that movie is, other than presumably some kind of historical thing. I just know Wonder Woman two was the biggest trash fire of twenty twenty. Yes, I know. Wow. Yeah. Really? That bad? Yeah. Huh? Oh. oh man. Okay. I have no expertise on this opinion on this uh, area. So. Yeah. Oh, it was but bad. Anyway, we were talking about. It was like there's a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so there's COVID, and then right behind it, there's Wonder Woman 84. Is that what you're saying? Other way around. Other way around. Oh, oh man. Okay. <laughs> More people died from Wonder Woman 84 than COVID. Got it, got it, got it. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, video games. <laughs> this is why Brandon doesn't so, leave us alone. I know. This is why we should not be unsupervised. So I, I, I don't know. It, I will be more happy with Eclipse as we get more official information released. Um, but it's going to be measured in gaps of time that we measure in years, not weeks and months. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a 2022 game. To, to me, it's not a 2023 game. Um, you'll be lucky to get it in 2024 just because, I mean, video game projects get pushed all the time and they get pushed back in terms of years so yeah it's exciting it's great we're not going to hear about it for a long time folks anyway so what else did you have anything else you wanted to talk about like your video game no i mean look i guess just two more things i want to touch i mean before we get there then i kind of want to know look i i get it's it's going to be a while but if if this game were to, in theory, just go smoothly, production goes really well, marketing goes really well, if this were to come out, you know, early next year, early 2022, <laughs> what's, what's kind of, what would be your kind of like hope and dream for what this game is? Oh, man. Um, if it's got Avar Chris in it, it'll get a 10 out of 10. For me. <laughs> so I'm a very easy to please person these days. No, I... There's, there's, there's a couple of categories that I would grade a video game on. Number one, is it fun to play? Number two, is the story engrossing? That'll feed into number one. Number three, are the controls good? Like, is it easy to play and, like, mm-hmm. make your guys do what you want them to do through the interaction of the controller? Because a mm-hmm. game with bad controls is unplayable and unforgivable in this day and age. 
Um, and yet it still seems to happen, which is crazy. Now, again, Honestly, I, I think that's my problem with, with Squadron. Really, I mentioned, I, re- I really, to, I find, I find that game incredibly difficult to like manage the ship and make yes, it what you want it to do. yeah, just to to fly straight even. Oh man, do you now? No. Is it because there's like information overload, or do you think like I'm pushing the stick forward? Why isn't it doing what I think it should do? Like you know, it's the, the it's for me too. I granted, I do not play a lot of video games. When I when I get a game I like, I will sit down and dedicate like a weekend and we uh, weeknights for a couple of weeks, but it's not like I every now and then when I'm bored and, and I have time, like I'll replay a game. But for the most part, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who sits there and I'm like, I'm going to play a video game every single night for months on end, you know? Oh, man. So, so I need to your point, like I love battlefront. Like when, when you pick a difficulty level in battlefront, I think it's very true. You know, if you pick easy, okay. it's easier. If you pick pick medium, it's medium. Whereas this one, I even started on that lower setting. I was like, this is still freaking impossible. Like, it, it just it did not seem right. If, if that were the first video game I ever played, I would never think I was good enough to play another game. Wow. Yeah. So that's a problem. Like, that's a design issue that... Is really kind of, I don't know if if it's indefensible, but it would be extremely difficult to justify why that would go into production and like release that way. Because we're talking about video game history is now like a good solid 40 years old, and there's only so many ways to make, you know, a ship fly forward. There's, I find it very difficult to believe there's a good reason why we can't get that kind of thing nailed down these days like there's no harm in, in finding what is the best version of a flight simulator on a on a console with a two-hand controller rather than a keyboard and mouse combo and just go with that yeah. I, I don't think control schemes like that are copyrighted i don't think i feel pretty sure of that but i, I could be wrong but i feel like in this day and age if you've got a game that doesn't handle well enough where you can't actually make the thing do the thing you think the thing should do that's a problem, and and we we shouldn't have that anymore, guys. So I hope that's one of the that's one of the things I think a game should be judged on is how well it controls and the ease of control. Like when you sit down and play a game, do you have to like okay, what is my left trigger gonna do? Like what's my ZR button gonna? What happens if I click mm-hmm. in the thing? It's like no 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 no. It should be rather fluid and rather intuitive to say yeah here's your controller and make it you know you can make it go forward by pushing it forward that kind of thing i don't know i, I don't think i don't think that's asking too much i, I don't think so either it's exactly what i was gonna say i don't think that's asking too much um i think that for eclipse specifically i'd like to see a good solid multi or a uh, uh, single player campaign uh, again a 40 to 60 hour story would be great you know that that uh in depth, you know what a what a role playing game really should be is something you you grow with these characters over time because you get to spend time with them. Um, side quests are optional, but you know when you follow the main progression of the storyline, you should by the end of the game feel exactly how the character feels within the game, without being prompted to otherwise. Like you shouldn't have to read somebody's bubble say this makes me so mad because you should already feel how the character feels after you spend mm-hmm. that much time. With mm. Again, in my theory. Um, 
I would expect that kind of thing. I it doesn't it didn't read to me like a trailer for a game that had a ton of multiplayer. Now, I do want to caveat that because it did also remind me a lot of Battlefront. Like you had a lot of large open spaces and they looked right for team versus team combat action. So if it boils down to a run and gun kind of multiplayer game, like a Call of Duty with blasters and lightsabers, I would be slightly disappointed about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a battle royale, I would be very disappointed by that. I know that's all the rage in games these days, but I don't know that it's it's. I don't think I I don't wouldn't enjoy that. Granted, I'm not everybody, and I tend to find myself in the minority <laughs> opinion. Um, we'll see what, what is your, what's your perfect version of eclipse though? Like what's your, dude, honestly, like it's, it's pretty similar. I want a very, very strong, I would be fine with even no multiplayer option, right? I would be totally cool with that 40 to 60 hour sweet spot of just me playing this, this game, making these decisions on my own. I do hope how do I say this? Because I, I like all of the characters that we've been introduced to so far in the High Republic. I just hope there's something totally new, totally fresh. I think one of my fears would yeah. be this This starts as, you know, here's Starlight Beacon, here's the crash, oh, and, and here's everything we've already seen. I, I will say story-wise... One of my hopes, and and I think the only reason I really think this might be a possibility, is because there was such a heavy focus on the Nemodians in the trailer. I would love for this to be less about you know the the Jedi versus the Nile than we've done, and and I love the Nile. Don't get me wrong. I would like this to be the story that really starts to show us where the Sith are in all of this. And I would love oh, to see that be a little bit of the focus to just say, you know, we're, we're a few thousands of years off, but here's how the plan is really going to start to be in motion. And here's see, the that's, early that's steps. An, that's an interesting point because in the trailer, do we not see Yoda hanging out in the Jedi temple? We see Council. Yoda. Yep. We see Yoda. We see Nemodians, we see, and again, I, I want, I don't necessarily want to go into a frame by frame breakdown right now, but we, we see a few other places where if I'm thinking what I'm thinking, it could be a little bit more force driven, uh, than it is necessarily that, that kind of battle driven Mm. and that MMO. Um, so that's, that's kind of my hope is story wise. It gives us more information on that side of things so that it does differentiate, right? Like, I want this to be a captivating story for someone who has never picked up a High Republic book before. Yes. I think that's the way it, it's done. Yes. 100% I would be in favor of that. So, only time will tell. So, I guess stay tuned for more. Yeah, for, for two more years, by Drew's prediction. Uh, I, I'm just throwing it out there trying to make sure nobody thinks this is going to be available for pre-order on january 1st or something like that let's not get out of ourselves yeah i feel like they did conveniently leave out a release date yeah and i think there's a good reason for that anyway Mm -hmm. so if we can is that is that good for your eclipse do we uh did we meet that's good uh, yeah uh, quota we we did we sure did (laughs) okay so i want to talk about force unleashed okay because my opinion on these games have changed 
over time as I, uh, you know, cause it, the force unleashed came out in like I, something like 2008, I think um, I probably should have looked that up uh, because I remember when this game came out. Yeah. September, 2008. God bless Google. Where would we be without it? <laughs> I remember working at Blockbuster Video when this game came out, where we would take pre-orders for it. Um, it was a dark time. Anyway, I think that the Force Unleashed games contributed to the overpowered view of the Jedi and Sith to the detriment of the Star Wars universe at large. The <laughs> gamification of the Force and... Mm the wild stuff you could do in that game, in those games, like the traumatic things you could put characters or, you know, bad guys through, you know, one of the moves you could do in the for the first of force unleashed game was called, uh, I think it was a lightning bomb where you would grab yeah. the force, yeah. lift them up into the air, shoot them with like force lightning, throw them at other bad guys and it would explode. <laughs> yeah. It kind of trivialized it a little bit. It made it so astronomically wild that it, it makes the movies' versions of the Force pale in comparison. And I think, well, and and at the time, it was awesome. It was so much fun. It was one of the highlights of the game. Was like you've never seen the Force used used this way before. Like that was what they used in order to pitch and sell the game, and it worked. I mean, the game was released on like every console from the PlayStation Three. The PlayStation 2 had a version. The Nintendo yeah. DS had a version of it, like for crying out loud. So it was a wild thing, and it was great, and it looked good. It was, a, you know, controls were not awesome, and you ended up replaying the levels over and over again. Like, you only, there only had like six maps, and then you played them twice once the first half of the game and then the back half of the game. But I really do think that the way in which it took the powers of the Force to the extremes. Like it did, it never brought. They never came back down. Yeah, everything that came after that was really level set against that experience of what it means to be a Jedi or a Sith. And so, when you have things like The Force Awakens comes out a mere seven years later, it doesn't have the same effect. You know, even The Force Awakens does some things with the Force that the films had never done before, uh, and they were exciting, but when we look at what a Jedi master is doing at the time, it's sitting and fishing and, you know, lifting rocks is all it boils down to. And I feel like a lot of the problems we experienced with how we expected the Jedi to act in the sequel era of things stemmed from that a hundred percent. Yeah. Like there's a direct line. And I was trying to figure this out. Like, Right as the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, I'm going to have all this time where I'm home and, you know, the kids are in bed at seven o'clock where I can like sit and play this game and like take really good notes and whatnot. I actually ordered the novelizations for the first and second games for Force Unleashed 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. um, fun story, side note. Um, you can order books from Goodwill, it turns out, on eBay. They have a. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, if. <laughs> The books you can get are wild because the copies that I got of The Force Unleashed 1 and 2 are um, former Chicago Public Library books. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't know why that tickles me so much, but they, uh, they have Chicago Public Library stamped across okay. the top. Like, I love it. All right. It's really kind of cool. <laughs> wonder, wonder if uh, the Chicago Public Library knows that. 
<laughs> They're like, we've been yeah. trying to track this book down for years. Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody in the Chicago Public Library whose only job is to find out where this one <laughs> two novelization has gone. Uh, and if you're listening, I have it and you're not getting it back. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, not sorry. It's on my shelf now. But anyway, the point was to go back and like really study these things and figure out what they were trying to do and tell us. And I haven't, I'll be clear and honest that I haven't gotten as much research done on that as possible. It turns out when you have kids at home, it's not as easy to play a game and read a book as you thought. Yeah. <laughs> so cute that you thought they'd be in bed by seven every night and you could do yeah. this. And it turns out when they don't go to school and I have to teach them things, it's bad for everybody's mental health. <laughs> Mostly yours. Yeah, mostly yours. But but to your remember. point, though, I do think you are 100% correct with the only kind of stipulation in my mind being for the fans who avidly play and read everything. I think that a lot of people went into something like The Last Jedi having never played Force, Force Unleashed, and therefore they weren't that trivialized by it. But yeah, and, and honestly, look, we can kind of say the same thing about some of the stuff in Heir to the Empire. I think there's there's a fine, fine limit with what the Force should be able to do. I think it is really dangerous territory when you either give people a hero shield because of it or mm. give them kind of a, even we'll say a hero sword where they can do anything. You know, I think it's it's kind of one of the biggest strengths and why honestly like the X-Men are so successful to this day because it, it in theory it works where everyone can do something but no one can do everything. Oh, interesting. I and you that. have that flexibility, but when you're dealing with the force, in theory, everyone should be able to do everything. And it doesn't make sense when some people can just kind of maximize power and others can't in in any way, shape, or form. That's an interesting point, because I can remember instances from like the Legend series of books where certain characters... Um, had easier tendencies towards things like um, mm -hmm. Corrin Horn, who's part of Rogue Squadron and develops force sensitivity and whatnot. Uh, his lineage was very weak in like telekinetic powers, like control aspects of the force where, you know, picking and move, picking up and moving rocks was very difficult for him. Whereas other forms of force ex uh, uh, demonstration and exposure, uh, he excelled at. So I can kind of see what you're, you know, your X-Men analogy is is on point where some of the, like like you said that's that's a great way to put it where everyone can do something but not no one can do everything like right. that's an overpower thing but see again I don't know that a lot of that even Luke in the legend stuff like the new Jedi Order series and the fate of the Jedi series it always seemed his arc was don't get involved don't get involved don't get involved get involved in a crazy action and then have it almost kill you like <laughs> you're right every yeah book he's in yeah. he's always like on death's doorstep for for over exertion in the force or something like that um i i don't know if that's a result of not knowing what else to really make the character do or have him struggle but because I, I feel like he's not in the middle of the battlefield in the way force unleashed to put star killer right in the middle of everything. And, yeah. he, and he's the focal point of all the chaos. Again, that's yeah. the point of the book. The, that game, I think is they, they saw the same thing as like, we don't have a crazy action adventure game like this 
let's go blow things out of the water here. And it's a lot of fun to play, but I, I just, I'm afraid that the consequences, the unintended consequences of that game led to a lot of the, oh boy, misunderstanding and inability to accept where the Jedi were and mm. are in terms of the sequel trilogy and subsequent storytelling. I don't know that I can say that a hundred percent, like everyone who thinks that the, the sequel trilogy did the Jedi and did Luke wrong are big fans of the force unleashed, but I bet that Venn diagram is closer to a circle than they would want. Dude, that's a you know really I mean? interesting, that's a really, really interesting point. I don't think you're far off with that at all at all so are you afraid though then that that eclipse is going to kind of follow suit and be a little overpowering in that sense i don't have an inherent uh fear of that although i think it's an because the gamification of the force is is something that really kind of started in knights of the old republic and and when i say the gamification what i mean is the ability for a person to put points or value or you know design a skill tree and go down a certain path the way they want to, to maximize the ability to do a thing. You know, you do everything you can to put all your skill points into force lightning. So that way, any stormtrooper you come across, you zap them and you're done. You move on. That the decision process behind that a player has to do is interesting. And that gives them the opportunity to direct a character down a path that they want the character to go. Mm-hmm. That is not the same thing as within the context of the Star Wars universe, when a player, or rather, let me change that, when a consumer doesn't get input, Ooh. then it, the resp- when the responsibility lies solely on the author and the editing team and the creative team on that side, you get a different universe. Because if all the Jedi are is the most powerful version of themselves... You don't have characters in a story. You have Superman. And yeah. to me, the Superman story is not interesting because he is the one man who can do everything. You know, in general philosophy viewpoints, Marvel does a great job of, you know, these characters are heroes and they are flawed. DC focuses, you know, the Batman Superman world says these people are heroes because they are not flawed. Like they are superpower and they are, you know, the, the fighting game in the DC universe is called gods among us. Like, come on. (laughs) So, you know what too, though, like just because when we think about that, that we have to think of the inverse of it too. We don't necessarily know who the villain is going to be in eclipse. Sure. And I think that the, the stronger you make your protagonist, Unfortunately, the stronger you then have to make your antagonist. And I would so happily sacrifice just brute strength and brute power to say, you know what? The Jedi can't do everything. Even even though it would be cool gameplay to do stuff like this through the Force, it would be cool, sure. But I'm willing to sacrifice some of that in order to say we're going to develop a really strong villain. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's that problem yeah. escalation. And and I don't mean where, strong as in power, I mean strong as in character development. Yeah, compelling. Yes. And, and, yes, um, compelling is a better word. 
Yeah, and a, a proper antagonist in order to set up the obstacle for the heroes to overcome. I mean, that's the very definition of drama is intention of the heroes plus the obstacles they must overcome. If the obstacles are too easy to overcome, it's not that good of a story because he just steamrolls through things. But if the obstacles are too hard, it could just be a tragic ending. Who knows? Anyway, that's more you know Aristotle than it is anything else. Um, I don't know. Eclipse is just too much of an enigma right now. I, I'm not worried about putting too much expectations on that thing. All I can, all we can do is kind of look at what has come before and try and learn those lessons, which is one of the reasons I think that overpowering, you know, the explosive use of the force ha was big picture, more detrimental to um, the public and to the consumption of this kind of stuff than it was. It, it was really fun in those first couple of years, it's really fun to fling stormtroopers into each other and watch them explode. I do it all. I would do it all the time if I could play that game every day, but I, I don't think it did a healthy thing in the long run. Uh, so I'm hopeful that it, it does, you know, going forward that we can kind of keep those lessons in mind. That would be fun. Then again, no one's called me to help develop a video game. So <laughs> yet, yet there's still time. I mean, it's early. It's 9.40 in the night, so it's getting kind of late. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm going to bed soon. Oh. I'm, I'm an old man. I'm getting tired here. So um, I'm trying to think if there's any other points I needed to make about that, like just to make sure we kind of cover everything there because um, there's something else that's stuck yeah. in my mind, and of course it has. But I mean, that's, that's just such a, such a good, good point that honestly I didn't think of in my general excitement was <laughs> – yeah, I think I think Force Unleashed kind of. Uh, I'll say it, it. It did more harm than good for the general public in the in the subsequent stories afterwards. That's hard. That's a hard metric to really measure, though, isn't it? Like, at what what point is the long term trumped by initial value, and like how long do we give a thing? Like, has anybody thought of the Force Unleashed series of games and gone back and played them in the past 10, 15 years? I don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it, it, the anniversary, what, so it came out in 2008, so two and what 11. Was it 14 13, years? So it's like a teenager game now. Yeah, it can't even drive. So we might, it would be kind of cool if we got like a 20th anniversary collection, you know, a remaster, yeah. Of, of the of those two games, I'd play that. It'd be a ton of fun, but I also think that it might do some harm in reinforcing some of those, reinforcing the the bad expectations that people set as a result. I think it feeds. It would feed into those bad expectations. Yes. And yes. Yes. Connotations they that that could be held against other entries into the medium. Yeah, don't you don't necessarily want, want to reward that. Yeah. Exactly. I do not want a Force Unleashed High Republic edition. You know, I don't want to see <laughs> that happen. Um, I want to see them struggle and fail. It just don't hurt Avar, or there will be you know strong, strong words exchanged on Twitter. <laughs> Drew will someone. be writing letters. <laughs> I will be. I will be calling my congressperson. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, because they have. They're gonna be like, "What is this about?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah. But no, look, we'll, we'll, we will see what happens. Like you said, we we realistically have a very, very, very long time to figure mm -hmm. out what this game is, what it's going to be. In the meantime, I'll put an early plug in to check out um, the next episode of Sith Talk because we, we will be diving into the actual trailer and, and what we think 
storyline might happen. Um, but oh, nice. but it was awesome just kind of hearing your thoughts as someone who's played other video games before and, and skipped out on other video games, just what <laughs> your, your hopes and dreams are. Um, so we'd love to hear everyone else's hopes and dreams. Um, you can obviously find us over on Twitter or on our Facebook group, uh, the Clashing Savers Network. Um, and then, of course, over on our Patreon, where most importantly... Any donations there go to not myself, not Drew, much to our chagrin. Um, but, but if you yeah, are like our us, petitions if, time and time yeah, again, we've, we've been trying. Um, but if you're like us and you really do connect with these stories, and even if you're someone like me who your gateway into reading in general was just through these stories, um, we do take all proceeds from Patreon and put them right back into the hands of schools to get them um, more stories for their classrooms, for their school libraries. Um, So please consider joining or donating there. Um, Stay tuned for a bunch of different fundraisers uh, that we'll have coming up going into the new year. Yeah. We always have awesome, awesome stuff to kind of auction off um, there. And of course we can just take straight donations if you don't want (laughs) to, Um, but in the meantime, absolutely acceptable, you know, yeah, yeah. And that you can make two cash and and Drew and I will make sure it gets into the right hands. You can trust us. (laughs) We promise Um, we are. We We don't have any, you know, medical bills to pay off. We don't have any construction loans to pay off. No, nothing like that. We're good. We're good. But Drew, where can they, where can they find you other than their cash donations? I'll be soliciting donations uh, shortly. Um, I'm on Twitter at the Drew Brett, so you can find me there um, and connect. Um, Lindsay, what's it going to take for you to get a new Twitter handle? Because I know that you had struggled to get back on. Something happened. You got a new phone and lost the email address or something. So yeah, so I I set my, e- my Twitter up in, I guess it was 2009, uh, my freshman year of college. And I had to, when I, when I got like a new phone and everything, I had to reset my passwords. Um, I've never once updated my cell phone or my email address on Twitter. Um, so it was going to a, a, an email address that I haven't had. Um, so, That's so I'm going to awesome. have to start so. totally over from scratch. Um, but eventually it, one day time. I gotta be, you can do it. You can do it. I don't know, man. I gotta be nice. It's, it's pretty nice enjoying things and just enjoying them and not having to argue with strangers about why you enjoy them. Oh man. If I'm being oh. honest. I don't if argue I'm being with honest. strangers online, I usually know. You're, like, you're like, I argue with friends. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you can't argue with friends if you don't have any. <laughs> That's where I went wrong. <laughs> yeah, you and your pesky social circles and your <laughs> friends and your your trips and memory making and yeah idiot stupid me (laughs) but well well, while i consider rejoining the world and the internet (laughs) drew i just have to say (laughs) it's gonna be so weird being on the other end of this one batch eight oh and there's no one for me to go hi ho with that's all right i got you i got Uh, you we did it all right. It was great. We actually we we actually did do it. <laughs> <laughs>
The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.